This week on Novel Predictions, Kale thinks children are being pulverized into dust. But they're using children. And then I'm like, okay, are they killing children in order to make dust? And then I was like, okay, are we killing children to like have youth? I don't know. And this week, I am rereading The Golden Compass. And I'm Kales, and I'm reading it for the first time, and I'm thoroughly confused. I, oh, no. No, I really, I feel like I don't know anything that's going on in this book. I feel like it's a lot of weird science mixed with fantasy, and I'm just fucked. That's what I feel like. Also, um, if I sound wimpy, for the second time during a predictions episode, Kales is sick. I've been sick with that stupid stomach bug that's been going around. Luckily, I've been... I've been doing pretty well, but you should see me right now, Allison. I'm in my bed. I have my laptop propped up. It's like on the dimmest setting. My microphone is in my lap and I'm like curled up in blankets right now. This is how my Best life recording is, position. Right? It's just, it's optimal it's, sound quality. Exactly. It's almost fetal. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so if I sound weird, it's probably because my sound sucks. Um, I'm sorry. I promise I'll be trying to do better. Every time I get sick though and wanting to do this, I just think of like every time that Griffin McRoy is like, sounds like a duck got shoved up his nose or, yeah. you know, and, and the, yet they still do it. And I'm like, okay, fine. We'll still do it. Um, so we're going to try and get this episode yeah. out to you guys today. It is Tuesday. We are recording and we normally release episodes on Tuesday. But again, Kales has been like vomiting her guts out. So um, that didn't work very well. And Allison had a cold. So that I did. also didn't work. You were also sick. It's the beginning of the year. Yay. Everyone's sick. Everyone's sick. So um, we hope you're doing well. Uh, this is Novel Predictions. Welcome. We don't talk about vomit and colds uh, the whole time. We talk <laughs> about books and uh, we tend to uh, talk more about books than we do our illnesses and we um, read a book every month. Uh, one of us has already read the book and the other one is reading it for the first time and we start off with our predictions episode which is what this one is for the yay gold predictions. yay predictions um and we are given the first five chapters that's what we read and then we make predictions about how the rest of the book is going to go and uh we have a series of questions that we follow you should listen to our previous episodes if you haven't already so please go subscribe and five stars and all that other podcast jazz i'm sh- i'm sure we're not the first podcast you've ever listened to if we are <laughs> welcome to this new format I guess. Welcome to podcasting. Welcome to podcasting. It's a weird place. It is a really weird place. Um, but yeah, rate us five stars and uh, follow us on social media and all that jazz. Um, and thank you to Book Riot who mentioned us again. Can we just say thank you to them for boosting all of the amazingness? Because what it what was it like the top ten podcast started in twenty eighteen? Yep, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, so thank you Book Riot for mentioning us again and welcome to all these new <laughs> listeners that we have here. Who's joining us for the Golden Compass, which I've never read. Allison is making me read it this month. Why are you making me read this book? So this book was published in 1996, I think. Actually, what the I fuck? It is not it that old. old. It is. It just took a long time for the movie to come out, and that's when all the hubbub happened. So um, I'm making you read this book for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's hilarious that you've never read it. I understand that there is a reason, and you can talk about that in a second. It's a really but- stupid reason. It's probably well, one of the stupidest but anyway. reasons, but still. Um, but it's a common reason yes. for this one, actually. So but so I'm w- making you read it because you've never read it. Um, I really enjoyed these books. I think the world is really cool. And 
the writing is for a book that straddles YA and JF. I think the writing is actually really well done. So personally, I loved this series as a kid. It's been so long since I've read it. I don't remember fucking anything. Yes. Like I was reading, I was reading it and I was like, I kind of want to make predictions because <laughs> I don't remember. This is what happened to me with Uglies. If you guys uh, listened to the last uh, duo episodes, um, I didn't remember anything. I remember the beginning and the ending. And I was just like, I don't know. We're going to lead and go with these questions that we have. And so now Allison's in the same boat. Yeah, I am. So that'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, that's why I'm making you read it. Now tell us why you didn't read it. I didn't read it because mainly because of the religious flack. Um, I grew up in a very religious household and Narnia was like second only to the Bible. And um, that's not true. But I I mean, (laughs) it was just a good joke. But I I get it. Yeah. You know, it it even my mom had to read Harry Potter before I was allowed to read Harry Potter. Um, She just read the first book. But and then was like, here, you should read this. And, and even that, I was like, I don't want to read it because it's popular. Um, and then I did. But beside the point, um, I didn't read it for religious reasons because I was told it was the atheist's version of Narnia. And it was supposed to be very, like, antichrist and very uh, just terrible to organized religion, specifically Christianity in general. And so I was never... You know, in all honesty, my parents pretty much let me read almost anything I wanted. You know, there were some limitations. And my parents weren't telling me I couldn't read this book. I just, as a child who grew up in a religious household, was like, I don't need to read that. And there were so many other books that I could read at the time. So I just was like, I don't need to deal with this. I don't really care. Moving on. And so I just never picked it up. Um, and then it, it was released when I was five. So... Uh, I, I guess I need yeah. So all that never... all that religious controversy. Um, did you do some research some on research. it? Good, I did because I'd love for it to because... be explained. Because in my head, I just feel like it was a bunch of fucking rumors, and I don't yeah. even know. So, so yeah, okay. So the um the movie that they made from based on this book came out in two thousand seven. Yeah, with Nicole Kidman, and that yeah, and that is when people in the religious community started noticing this book that would make a lot um, more sense in the timeline of my life because i was like right. i don't understand how this book came out in 1996 and i was not told to read like it was right around harry potter time and harry potter the exactly. movies came out at like 2001 and so it must yeah. have been released as a counteract to that somehow. well so it was released in 2007 the movie was um which means we were both in elementary school um no but yeah Oh, 2007. 2007. How does, how does I was work? I was almost for in high school. For some reason in my head, in some reason in my head 2007 and 2001 were the same year. No, that's wrong. Um yes, yeah, so we were in high school. But yeah, so so this it, the movie came out or was coming out yeah. and people started reading the book more as they are wont to do when movies come out and um the religious community, specifically the Catholic community, uh determined that this book was the anti-Narnia and they determined that because the author said those words. Philip Pullman said it that way? Yeah. Yep. He is a um atheist. I knew that. And he said I wrote these books as the anti-Narnia. Um so in my research I was reading a bunch of different perspectives just to kind of try to get a feel for what was inflammatory and what was, you know, more real. And basically, the best the best article I found actually was written from it was by a Christian blogger, 
And, um, but it was a perspective of, I liked this book from a Christian blogger. Yes. So I was like, Ooh, this is good. You know, we'll get both sides here. So she was saying basically that this book is very anti-religion. Well, no wonder the Catholics hated it. Right. (laughs) But not anti-faith. So it's asking a lot of the same questions that Christianity asks, but rejecting the idea that there is this, that the organization of religion is the, a good way to go about it. That's really interesting because Narnia is not so much about organized religion. C.S. Lewis is not... Right, it's about faith. Yeah, right. he's never been about organized religion, really. Um, if you read some of his other works and stuff, all of them are very much more faith-based. And, mm-hmm. you know, you read Mere Christianity and... Ah, shit, the one that's about marriage and love and... Whatever. The only other C.S. Lewis I've ever read is um, Out of the Silent Planet, which is a sci-fi yeah, also that's, about faith. So. Yes, but that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking of his nonfiction works. But um, it's it, that's really interesting then. Maybe. Yeah. So. Like the so anti-Narnia the- is fine, but I, I, I don't know why he would bill it that way. Probably just to get people to notice. Maybe. I don't know. So it, basically what I'm what I'm seeing when we're reading too here in the beginning is. And what I was reading before is that the there's a huge the like p- political and governmental system in this book is driven by the church, um, right? As represented by the magisterium, and it is anti that. And that's like fine. the like the the heroine is going to fight against that system, and so that is where this religious um, pushback came from in the in 2007. And I get, I mean, I get it. Like, if you're somebody who really believes in, in your organized religion and you feel strongly that this is anti that, of course you're going to be anti this book. Um, but the the Christian blogger that I was reading was saying she was encouraging people to read it from a different perspective of it's not anti-God and it's not anti-Christianity like Christianity specifically, but it's just fighting against this idea of a religion that controls people oh yeah um, then it's like, totally reasonable that the catholics would lose their mind over it okay so or or the the catholicism in general i won't say catholic the catholic church like yeah. way especially back in the day was a huge power in the world and had all this this clout um and controlled all these things that now that we have separation of church and state or it's very different so kind of I think we're working on that still um sorry yeah but that's so that's where the religious controversy come from that's really interesting I'm really glad that you did some research on that because it it it's something like I said it was just kind of as a kid I just was told and it Mm -hmm. just kind of I didn't do much research on it I just kind of listened to my elders as catholic kids are known to do and I just um I never picked it up again and um yeah I'm Going into this book, literally all I knew about it was that it was supposed to be the anti-Narnia, and it was about a young girl, and Nicole Kidman was in it, and there's a polar bear somewhere. That's what I got. I think that's the least anybody has ever gone into reading a book. Well, there's a young girl and a polar bear on, I think, every iteration of the cover, so that makes sense. That's all I got. And then I remember, I think somebody was trying to tell me about, like, Nicole Kidman being like White Witch esque in Narnia, but I don't know. Maybe I just made that up myself. But yeah, that's all I know going into this, and um, which is little to zilch. And uh, I still got to be honest. I don't think I know a lot to make some reasonable pr- 
predictions, but we'll be fine. It'll be okay. Um, I think you might find, I don't know. I think there's a lot in these first few chapters that um, may seem confusing because there is a lot of like pseudoscientific jargon. That's what I think is the hardest part for me is that it feels very scientific and very political. And I'm just like, how the fuck did any child read this and continue past like chapter two? Because I was, I was, I'm listening to it, which by the way, I'm so excited because the uh, audiobook that I got on Libro FM is a full cast version, mm. which is always my favorite audiobooks because it reminds yeah. me of old radio shows. And I like listen to BBC Hobbit and Lord of the Rings that way was with full cast audio. And so that's awesome for one thing. It's a great audiobook. Um, but, and I like... I can never get her name right because it's Lyra, but I want to call her Weasel because that's from Book Thief <laughs> and it also starts with an L. Um, and But I know that's not right. And my my first thoughts with this couple of things is that I liked her sort of innocence that kind of led you into she's really smart enough to follow this scientific jargon, but she's still 12. So, yeah, she's young. Right. And so she gives you that nice perspective on it. So it isn't so, it doesn't hit you over the head still. Um, and it kind of can be followed, but I think I've just forgotten a lot because I read this like a week ago. Um, and I'll, I'll get there as we, as we talk about it some more. But I did like that Philip Pullman gave you this scientific jargon through the mind of a 12 year old and through her perspective. Because I think if it had been through one of the adults, it would have been much more boring. That's what I think, too. When you were saying, I can't imagine how a kid has kept reading this book. I think really it is because Lyra is like, she's truly 12. Like yeah, she, she is really she's 12. She's flighty and she's wild and she her, her moods are super changeable and she does things to spite people and she simplifies everything down to what she wants it, you know, the level that she can handle it on. And I think he does a really good job of writing her. She's surprisingly complex right which makes me hate her um but but i realized that's because she's 12 and like i had to think about it a lot because i was like man i just she's so frustrating but it's because she's 12 and it's it's and she's a good 12 year old who's been raised by men and has not Mm -hmm. had female influences and has been kind of let loose and what i loved was this description of her learning and that there were holes in it you know, that she yeah. kind of had this gap in in her development as a young woman um, as and as a young child. Um, and that she... Yeah, they described it as a world map with holes eaten by mice. Yeah, I was thinking Swiss cheese because I was actually called that once when I was younger. Was that my learning was like Swiss cheese. Is that I could like do a lot of really complex things, but there were some really simple things I didn't know. And... Um, and I liked that. I thought that was a good explanation. And so that's like, I can understand Lyra, but that doesn't make me like her anymore. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and I, I also don't go ahead. really like her. So yeah. And the writing <laughs> is excellent. I will say that like it is, it is very good writing. It is, um, it's well done. I think the dialogue is very interesting. And I think his introduction into this world of, oh yeah, everybody's got a demon. Like you don't question mm-hmm. it. It just jumps, it just jumps right in. And, um, which I love the demon aspect, by the way, but also I was going to say on a religious aspect, anytime the word demon comes up and it's associated with humans, people really struggle with that. I've noticed that when I try and sell the book, uh, the novice, 
which I love selling to kids that are like, I finished all the Rick Riordan. What do I read next? Especially to young boys. Um, and while I try really hard to break down that gender thing, this is, this is, um, a book that has a boy centered at the front. I pitch it as Lord of the Rings meets Harry Potter meets Pokemon, but the little creatures that follow them around are called demons. And some families that I pitch that to have a really hard time with demons as that word, Mm -hmm. which is that word. Cause it could be anything. Uh, Yeah. And I think, I think that that was probably purposeful, um, knowing Philip Pullman's. Oh, I'm sure like inclination in, in his goals for this book. I'm sure that was purposeful. Um, the use of that word, but I agree with you. It's, it's not hard for me because I didn't grow up with any religious background. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see how people who really have any foundation in religion, that a, a religion that, you know, has the concept of demons, you know, some people they're really sensitive to it. And so I was thinking about that as, you know, right on like page three, they're talking about little yeah. demons that follow people around and that's just normal in this world. And so even that alone, I think would be a struggle for some religious families. Well, especially because in this story, the demons aren't like a pet you find. They're part of you as a person. Yeah. I think I, so, I think I accidentally listened a little bit ahead, but there's this moment when, um, when, oh fuck, what's her demon called? He has a weird name. Just call him Pan. It's like um, Pandemelian. Yeah, something like that. She calls him Pan. Okay, so when Pan is getting attacked by another demon, she Lyra calls out and starts screaming. She says, stop hurting us. Stop hurting yeah. us. And yeah, you didn't read ahead. That was in chapter Oh, five. it was? Okay, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's getting attacked by the golden monkey. And right. so it, I wasn't sure because I was listening to the audiobook and it's just has been like in and out. You know, you don't always keep track of it. Um, and because the way that this one's broken up, it doesn't break it up by chapter. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, oh, that's weird. I know. I was mad. Anyway, um, you know, it, it, the demons are a part of them, which I kind of like that symbolism. But at the same time, I can get, again, why some families would have struggled with that. Problems. Yeah. Um, so overall, right now, my first impressions of this book, which is what we've been kind of doing, is yeah. I'm intrigued. That's where I am with it, is I'm intrigued. It sounds like you're liking it to an extent. Yeah, for sure. I like the idea. The dust is really interesting. This anta- this obvious antagonist that we have here, who I just keep calling Nicole Kidman in my head. She doesn't really have a name, but that's who plays her. Mrs. Coulter that's is it. her name. Thank you. <laughs> Nicole Kidman, Mrs. Coulter, is a really interesting part. I love the whole idea of like this sort of exploration thing we've got going on here. Um, and how her parents also died in the north and it's, it's like some dust is like science and magic and I don't really know it, it's just I'm intrigued I'm intrigued to listen to it more um, I'm intrigued by Lyra as a heroine I'm really I don't know why she's special mm-hmm. so when we get to that question I don't know if I'm gonna have an answer but I'm I'm intrigued to continue I'm not sold on it yet but I'm liking it enough to keep going which I think is still saying a lot well, and the first five chapters of this book is 100 pages. It's a so lot. It's almost a quarter of the book. So we honestly got like a decent amount. I think, so at the end of the fifth chapter, let's just make sure you got to the same place since you had such a weird uh, method for reading. Sorry. They, she runs away. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I got there. That's where okay. I stopped. So she, she's yes. like literally goes out the door. Yeah, she like, literally, the because the it's chapter. like, because it's, she, she like finds herself, she and Pan, Pan's like, you're being a puppet. 
and she's like no i'm not and then when she has the realization she's like fuck this i'm gone yeah well and there's the, the whole dinner party or cocktail party that's happening with the journalist and everything yeah yeah she gets first of all miss mrs coulter like accosts her yeah. in a really aggressive way and you're like whoa that was creepy and then um the people are all there and she talks to the journalist and, and the gobblers like get an official name Yes. Which is weird because it's like people actually board. know what they're doing. Right. So, so yeah. And then we, re- we discover in that chapter too that Mrs. Coulter is the head of the ovulation board. Right. Which means she's the head gobbler. Right. Which is why probably Lyra freaks out a little bit too. Yeah. And then she also treats that reporter really scarily. Like she's going to kill her. She's like, you will never be a journalist again. And then she talks to that one guy, the the old guy, and he's like, oh, well, she's going to have you help her bring in more children. That's great. Yeah, I don't know where this is going. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? So Lyra runs away, though. Right? Yes, so that's where I'm at. Lyra ran that's away. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. Okay, so let's get to our questions because okay. we spent 20 minutes talking about the book in general and we have six questions, seven questions to answer. Cool. So this one, I'm not sure if, again, I literally don't remember <laughs> this That's book, fine. Just go but, with it. Um, but the first question we always ask is, does the main character fall in love? Now she's twelve. I don't. I don't. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be honest. Is that like I don't think that's a thing in this book. I think yeah. if there's a love story, it's gonna be between like two older people that she meets. You know what I mean? Like very Eloise. Have you seen Eloise at Christmas time? Yeah. Okay. So Eloise at Christmas time. Eloise doesn't fall in love, but the nanny and the dude across the hall do, and the servant boy and the rich uh plaza lady do so like yeah so maybe she's like an instrument yeah like if she's if if there is a love story it is between two older figures that she meets um if it happens at all like that's i'm i'm kind of of the mindset that it's not going to happen because like in narnia it doesn't happen Mm -hmm. and i i don't i don't think it's going to happen here I'm going to go with that and that there's no love story. Okay. And I'm not sure. It's a trilogy, so I'm not sure how much time it spans. Um, That's okay. Um, Regardless, I don't think in this book there's a love story. Yeah. Okay. So then. Because we also have not really read a JF. And where do you guys shelve this? It does straddle, but I really think it leans JF. I know we shelve it YA, but I really think it leans JF. Yeah, we shelve it. we, We shelve it YA too. Like it's not any scarier or i don't know than harry potter no but i just think of the age like i don't i don't think she's 12 though yeah that's no that's what i'm saying that's a jf age right exactly so yeah i think so too i think it should be shelved jf whatever narnia that's when i read it (laughs) okay so what tropes do you think you'll see oh god evil queen okay and i i don't she's not a queen but she's because that doesn't exist in this world but that's sort of evil vain powerful beautiful woman who charms people um again very white witch very um regina very um just that trope of this sort of evil beautiful woman beautiful Mm -hmm. yep who uses that beauty and that's who uh nicole kidman mrs coulter mrs coulter um i mean they cast fucking nicole kidman in it um the only one you're gonna get more of is tilda swinton 
um, which is who played White Witch. She keeps talking about going on like an expedition. I think we're going to be like I think road trippy travel travel yeah, tropes. God, I would have thought we'd started it already. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I think we're going to get like an animal sacrifice at this point. At some point. Oh, no, I, makes me sad. I well, I know. I think somebody somewhere. I think again, just going off of the if this is the anti Narnia, there has to be some sort of sacrifice that is like a sacrifice like they stay dead and they don't go back to life i hate the idea that it's going to be pan but i i wonder what life is like without a demon and if that's possible it doesn't sound like it is but i wonder if there's going to be some sort of something where like pan has to get sacrificed or lost from her like there's going to be something like that i don't know if that's a trope but um I don't know. I'd like to think that we're going on an expedition, but I also would have liked to think that we were going to fucking get on it already. Um, I think she's going to be a stowaway. Um, somehow, I think she's going to, like, finagle her way onto a ship. Somehow, I think her uncle's going to come back. Oh, that's, I guess, another trope, is, like, this older, meaner figure who, like, actually cares for her, mm-hmm. but, like, doesn't really know how to show it. Oh, dead parents. Orphan trope. So, um... Do you remember in the fifth chapter when they say that her uncle is imprisoned? Yeah, that was so interesting, too. Yeah, so they say that he's imprisoned in the north and he's being held by whatever that word is. And then they say the armored bears. Oh, my God. What the fuck is this book? Um, Yeah, she's going to go rescue her uncle. So she's okay. going on a rescue mission. Let's go with that. That's She decides to like go on a stowaway thing and decides to go on a rescue mission that's not a trope but we're making it one i like it cool that's <laughs> what i got okay fuck that's me. a lot that's a lot of tropes so i think you probably covered i got two the of them right of that there's an evil queen and she's an orphan <laughs> yeah because you already know those i'm cheating i'm taking what i can take <laughs> i like it um okay so is there a mentor see what's hard is that i think yes because in some ways Mrs. Coulter is a mentor and has been, and I think her uncle is, but I think we're going to get somebody else that's there. I think we're going to get somebody else that she learns to trust more so than any other adult, because so far all the adults in her life suck. Yeah, they're all very mean. Yeah. And... Like, everyone is mean. She's scared of her uncle. She's scared of the master. Everybody she's been fucking sucks. By right. everyone. Yeah. And but I think she's gonna get an adult that's like a captain of a ship and is gonna like take her under her wing his wing. And because usually when we get books about young girls, we get older gentlemen who are their mentors, which is still kind of creepy to me. And I'd love to yeah, have like a conversation. You think about it, it's in movies and, and thing across the like it's that's a trope. But I think weird. it's just a trope that the mentor is always an old man. Right. But, like, you'll also see that, like, that even... They're never old women. Anyway. I can think of very few examples, and they're all movies. Right. But anyhow. So... Regardless. Regardless. We're going to get, like, an older Captain Man who's the mentor. And I think... I'm getting very pirate vibes from what you're saying. That's what I feel. I, like, it's got to be. It's got to be piratey. And there's got to be something with the fucking dust... And, yeah, and she's going to stow away, and she's going to have some information about the dust and the picture of the creepy child. 
Because that seems to be the right. only thing that's special about her is the fact that she has that information about the picture. And that dust can be pictured and captured. Um, and that she has that compass that she doesn't know what it does. Right. But 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 right now, whenever she talks to adults, that seems to be the the thing that they're most interested in her about. So I think she's going to bargain that information somehow. And this adult is going to finally be a good adult. Now, is he going to stick around? I don't think so. But we got to get a good adult in there somewhere. Here's a question. Do you think... So There's we've gotten uh, the uncle, the master, and Mrs. Coulter as like potential mentors, um, people who are big influences in her life, but are all kind of shitty to her. So which of those people do you think is like the one that cares the most about her? Because the master tried to kill her uncle, but then he was reluctant to give her to Mrs. Coulter. But and then he, he knows gave her also, the- but okay, but, 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 but wait, 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 but he also knows something about her. At the very beginning of the book, there was that whole thing about like, not a prophecy per se, but like this child's important somehow. Yeah. It's got to be him. He cares about her somehow. And you think the master yeah. more than the uncle? Right. But then why would he give her over? Maybe he knows that, like, that's what it has to be to start something in motion. Well, and it seemed in the in that moment after that meeting with Mrs. Coulter and he has her come over in the morning, he seems like he didn't have a choice. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is that, like, he knows something about her and he implied it in that there was that we got that little snippet where Lyra was not our main character which as a yeah, format like the, was weird for me yeah which is formatting issue but lyra was not our perspective and we got these weird little secrets about her so there's something he knows something and has been trying to protect her and educate her somehow but because he's a male doesn't know how to do all of it and yet but then why why did he try to kill her uncle though because her uncle i never said her uncle was good she doesn't but, know that. But then it seems that Mrs. Coulter is also anti her uncle. So are there three factions here? Sure. Why not? Well, actually, I think the master is like a neutral faction. Okay. Kind of. I can see that. Like he he's more of like the oracle prophecy who's like, I know that this is going to happen. Oh, but then he tried to kill. Fuck. I don't know. I don't know, man. Let's go with this. Okay, here we go. This is what I love about this podcast is because I just pick something and it fucking goes with it and it's it's okay. I'm learning how to fail. Um, <laughs> we're going to go with this. Oh, here we go. There are three different factions to this, just like there are three factions in the in the in the church, three the Holy Trinity and all that shit. And mm. instead, they're all fighting against each other. And Lyra is somehow in the middle of it all. And these three different factions are trying to seek some kind of truth with the dust and interdimensional shit um, and are all going about it in different ways. Now, that's not to say that there is one that is a better way, but they all are trying to go for the same goal and they're trying to... And Lyra has some secret that's supposedly going to help them do that. That's why they're like trying to take down each other while still trying to use this little girl okay sure yeah i mean i literally don't remember so i could i could get on board with that okay and there's some symbolism <laughs> okay, shit in there and they're all gonna break down i think there's a lot of symbolism in this book i think that that's clear there has to but, be yeah but i don't think we've seen 
all, we've definitely not seen all of it yet. No. Okay. So next question, who is going to die or is someone going to die? Yeah. I think the captain mentor person I've created is going to die. And I think there's going to be the death of a demon. I don't know how. But I like the idea of it. Her demon or someone else's? I like the idea of her demon dying, but I think I've seen a mouse on the cover of other books. And a boy comes up. There's a boy and a tiger on one cover. There is a boy and a tiger on, I think, the next book's cover. Fuck. I don't know I'm not going to, you know what? I'm not going to mess with him. He's in the second book. I'm not going to mess with him. Maybe it's Roger. I thought, Maybe I Roger. totally thought Roger was going to just be dead. I don't remember. Well, so, okay, that's the other question. So, the next question is, what's the twist? And in that vein, um, what do you think happens to these kids that they're stealing? I, honest to God, don't know. I'm going to have to pull something out of my ass here because I, I don't know. I, it's, that, the dust is probably the most confusing part of this entire book to me. I can get on board yeah. with the Magisterium and the trips to the North and secret societies and demon pets. And, but the dust makes no sense to me i don't think it's supposed to at this point i think it is still right, supposed because i don't be. think it makes sense to lyra she doesn't know what it is right i think it's still supposed to be this huge mystery but there was this talk about like interdimensionality with it and there was this talk of like only adults can be affected by it but they're using children and then i'm like okay are they killing children in order to make dust and then i was like okay are we killing children to like have youth i don't know in my head the only thing i could think of was that we're rearing up children because their energy or their power somehow helps compel the dust that's all i can think of but then it really threw me off in the fifth chapter when they were like dust is dust is more attracted to adults but then i'm like well if dust is made of children then, dust is made of children. I don't know. If dust is made of children, they're like seeking adults and love and comp- I don't fucking know. I, I don't I don't know. But what then, if they were talking about it as like this really scientific thing and I, mm-hmm. I just don't I, I'm really struggling with it. Unless you convince me otherwise, I'm gonna go with the fact that they're like they're killing these kids. Okay. Do you think so you from what you're saying, it seems like you think dust is desirable rather than something we don't want yes okay yes i'm not gonna doubt that yes we're gonna go with yes okay cool so they're killing these kids yeah and somehow it's being used to produce dust yes okay oh my god i can just hear the listeners laughing at me it's like somewhere far away it's like just i just hear it like like bells and fairies and i'm just hearing them laugh at me but yes that's what we're gonna go with okay fuck me okay so then to answer the true question that we're going to what is the twist is that the twist or is there another one that the kids are not actually being killed they're being sent to another dimension so you're counterpointing your own argument yes (laughs) with this twist yeah, I don't think that, I think that they think that the kids are getting, this is what I think. I think they're rounding up the children and that Lyra thinks that the kids are getting killed, but then she's going to discover they're not actually getting killed. They're actually getting sent to a different dimension. Okay, cool. That's a, that that's a valid thing. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I just thought you were saying like, this is what's happening. The kids are being killed and turned to dust. And then you're like, the twist is that's not actually happening. Yes. But it's yours from Lyra's perspective, the kids are being killed and turned into dust. 
And then the twist for her is that they are not. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Thank you. I have logic. (laughs) I have nothing in in my stomach, but I have some logic left. (laughs) It's sustaining you. It is. It's all I've got left. Okay. And then why is the story from our MC's perspective? Okay. Because of the compass and because of the, like, she, her, here's the other fucking thing is that she's going to find out something about her parents, something about her parents and their, their Northern expedition is a thing. I don't know how, but it's going to be a thing. And this compass, it's because she has the compass. The compass is important somehow. I don't know how. I think it's going to like guide her to the the main source of dust in the north that is like this compass came from the dust and is like has a speck of it and that's it always guides her to the dust. It's not a real compass that like leads north all the time. It it, it leads towards dust. Yeah, I'm trying to find the line that the master says about the compass. Because it's interesting. But that's I'm what on the right is. page. She's, I'm on the right page. She's important because she has the compass. She she got the compass, though, because she's the daughters of the people and the, the niece to the... That's why. Here's what it says. It says it's a altheometer, which yeah, I fucking don't know if that's how you pronounce that. It's only one of six that were ever made. Lyra, I urge you again, keep it private. It would be better if Mrs. Coulter didn't know about it. Your uncle, and then she interrupts and says, but what does it do? And the master says, it tells you the truth. As for how you read it, you'll have to learn yourself. So it tells you the truth is the like hint we get about what this compass does. And then I think she said it has like 36 images around the thing and four hands, one of which doesn't isn't able to be moved manually, but seems to move like a compass needle except for that it never holds still okay i'm gonna change what i'm doing okay hold on okay so she's she's special because she has the compass Uh uh-huh okay and the compass i don't know why i'm going with this interdimensional shit but maybe i got dnd on the brain but go with it i'm doing it so the compass that she has is a guide that leads her through the interdimensions and the dust that's there is like remnants of interdimensional travel and that's why people want it um okay so we'll go back to the whole theory we're doing it this way so dust is rarer and right now they're the only way that they can pass through a dimension is somehow with kids they need the kids and lyra thinks the kids are being killed but actually they're being used for interdimensional travel but because it is an un um explored science and it's still in like the guess and check phase and um they're just kind of experimenting with it willy-nilly lyra is has the compass though that is by some elite group of people that have perfected this interdimensional travel and that's what the 36 fucker things are um symbols and things and it it's not necessarily she's going to other worlds all the time but it's like just different layers on the world she's in and like maybe where the demons come from and like how they choose their forms or like all these other things and that's what the compass can lead her to do and when she figures that out she's gonna learn by traveling to these different dimensions what is real and what is not okay i'm so wrong but i i don't care i'm i'm digging it i like it it's a good good story story. (laughs) oh man i'm so wrong i'm writing it all down while you were saying it um, 
I think that that's not an invalid thought, though, because it tells the truth. We have all these different elements of this pseudoscience that are seemingly disconnected right now, but I think that this is a great way to connect them. So I think so, too. Brava. Thank you. I tried. (laughs) I tried. Okay, so what other stories does this remind you of? I... Narnia. No, I'm kidding. Um, it actually doesn't fucking remind me of Narnia at all. Until a lion yeah. shows up, I don't really care. But that's why, like, the internet... Can I can I go back real quick mm. to say, like, that? that's why also I think the interdimensional travel thing makes sense? Because I know he said it's the anti-Narnia, so there has to be some things to it that are similar in my head. Um, sure. It's not going to follow the Narnia plotline to a T. Um, but... Narnia is in different dimension. It's a different world. It's different, and the kids travel to it. So in yeah. my head, I'm thinking, well, if Pullman is pulling, <laughs> Pullman is pulling from Narnia to any degree, it's that, you know, he he's got to take some of that. So I'm thinking that there is another world, some here, somewhere in this, you know, and I, I'm thinking that. Like, there's got to be more symbolism with three and trinities. And, you know, there's three books. There's three items. You know, it's the amber spyglass, the golden compass, the subtle knife. You know what I mean? Those objects are going to come into play. Maybe not in this book, but in the whole series. And, you know, it's there's going to be three is a huge thing. And I think the destruction of three is going to be another thing um, that we see a lot of. I... I think that in terms of symbolism, that's where I'm at with it. I also think that the demons show, like, true parts of the human selves. Um, other stories that this reminds me of. I don't I don't have a lot, actually, or any. No, I don't, I don't have anything. It doesn't even really, like I said, it doesn't even really remind me of Narnia. It, if anything, Lyra kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, she would have gotten along with Harry Potter a bit, like, in their crew, as this sort of mischievous 12-year-old getting herself into trouble. Um, it reminds me a little bit of um, this book I just read called Time Castaways, just because of, like, if I'm right on the interdimensionality stuff, that that'll be really cool. I don't know. It's It does seem like a really interesting, unique concept. I don't know really if there's anything else like it. Yeah, it's it's from what you've predicted, it's very like interdimensional piratey, and there's a few of those, right? Um, some time travel like pirates, Stardusty. Feels very Stardust. Yeah. Stardust is a good one. I love that movie. Me too. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it seems very Stardusty. The- Stardusty. Okay. <laughs> Dusty. Dust. Okay, so Lots what do you think? Dust. What do you think is going to happen next? So she just left. She just escaped. Um. From this is Mrs. where she Coulter's finds the pirate person. She's gonna like, she, she's gonna go north. Uh huh. She's gonna do it. She's got nothing else left. You know, she's gonna go rescue her uncle. Yep. She's like, I'm gonna go. This is. I need to go. I would like to think that she goes and like checks on Roger, but I don't think she's near enough to Oxford to really do that. Yeah. Let me. Let's talk about that for a second. How do you feel about I'm pissed. Lyra? I'm pissed. <laughs> no, I'm so pissed that she's just like Roger. Bye. Like, yeah, I was. But again, she's 12. So she's like she was, you know, think about um. Did you ever watch Escape to Witch Mountain? Yes. The old one. Mm, maybe not. OK. The really old original Escape to Witch Mountain. 
um, it's two siblings, and they get very much enchanted by things and by material things, and they get kind of adopted and taken away from their original quest, um, which is to get to Witch Mountain and reunite themselves with their families by this gentleman who wants their powers and stuff, and he captures their attention with sweets and toys and, you know... Very Edmund. Yes, very Edmund. And that, I think, is what happened here, is I think in order to distract her that Mrs. Coulter has taken her in and given her, you know, this sort of life she didn't think she could have, and she was entranced by it for a while, for six weeks. Right. And Pan points that out to her, and that's what makes her leave, is she realizes that. Again, same thing with Escape to Wish Mountain. And Edmund, you know, it takes him a while to figure out, oh, hey, this is not right. Um, So I think that she's going to return to her senses about Roger, but right now she's too caught up in it to really think about him. And my 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 hope would be that she goes back and checks on him and finds out that he's not there, and she's like, oh, shit, I've been a shitty friend. I need to go find him. Um. And that still compels her to go north somehow. Um, but I, I think she just, she, it has not been in her 12-year-old brain. She just has not, it's its not her focus because she's been enraptured by other things. Yeah, she seems very um, selfish in these first five chapters. She's very, you know, uh, into what she's currently doing. And she's, I mean, and she describes herself in the beginning as like the leader of, you know, her little gang of, of kids. And she's very um, narcissistic in that, it seems to me. Like, she, she, you know, she tells the kids what to do and they do it. I don't know if narcissistic is the right word. I think, I think she is headstrong and I think she is bossy. And she's I, She's definitely bossy. And I think she is very smart. And I think she knows she's smart. And yeah, she's maybe ha- she's just lording her intellectual That's what I'm saying. Is prowess. That, right, because think about the kids. Who's she hanging out with? She's hanging out with the kitchen boys and like the, the street uneducated. rats. She's hanging out with the uneducated. I don't think it has to do with narcissism and that she sees herself, loves herself more. I think she recognizes a certain power in her intellect. Yeah, I, yeah, I would agree with that. And she can learn and knows how to use that over others. Um and I think, but, but she, you saw her doing it with the adults too, because she just needed that social kick, which is what Mrs. Coulter gave her a little bit of over those six weeks. She didn't have that previously. So Lyra, I think is just a very intelligent young woman who is realizing, oh, hey, I have a prowess that gives me advantage. That's not bad. Yeah. A little slithering of her. Yeah. But still good that she can know how to use that. Yeah, I would say that, at least at this point, Lyra is firmly Slytherin. Oh, hell yeah. And I think Miss Coulter is too, but I think she's like evil-leaning Slytherin, whereas Lyra is just ambitious and gets what she wants. Pretty much. And But, but think about the environment that she grew up in. You know what I mean? She was the only girl. She's had really terrible adults in her life. So where does her power come from? You know, who can she have power over? The street rats, servant boys, you know, younger people than her. Um, Because anyone older than her who has more power, she can't get it from them. She gets beaten by them. She gets chastised. She gets 
scolded. So she takes it where she can get it. Yeah, there's a lot of casual violence in this book so far. There's like a lot Um, of violence. Lots of beating. Yeah, and it's not, you know, it hasn't been like malicious so far, except for the attack by Mrs. Coulter. But it's very um, reminiscent of a certain time period where people just hit their, like, beat their kids when they did something wrong. It's like, well, and it's steampunky. Yeah, it is steampunky. It's like 1900s, not 19th century. I was thinking like Industrial Revolution-esque with a steampunk yeah. twist and magic. Yeah, and some I'm still convinced there's magic, magic of some sort. And while they may call it science, it's probably... That's probably why he's also anti-Narnia. It's probably all going to have some sort of scientific explanation rather than just be magic. Well, what do you think the armored bears are the polar bears on the cover do you think that they're magic sure i don't or do you think they're like demon like you know because obviously there's something going on because there's these demons that can change shape at their will when you're an adolescent and then get stuck in their shape when you're an adult and so it's an army of people whose demons have turned into bears and they can they rule the north i don't know God, I'm just so, I'm so making all this up at this point. I don't even, seriously, I just like hear laughter as it, as these listeners go on and on and on uh, listening to me rant about interdimensional travel and captain, pirate captains in the north. I don't know. Do you I don't any- see how that's far-fetched though. Like it's a, it's obviously there's like zeppelins and there's, armored bears and there's demon like soul part creatures and there's people stealing kids i don't see how your predictions are far-fetched more far-fetched than any of that sure let's go with that i'm probably just i don't know maybe i'm just like highly doubtful because i have not been good at the predictions these past couple of times and i just feel like i have gotten actually you know what a curious beginning i did okay with i don't know i should give myself more credit i think you do pretty well. You just, there's often, your far, like, reaching predictions sometimes don't come true. But it makes the podcast more fun. It definitely does. So, okay, well, that was all of our questions. Um, do you have anything else you want to tack on? Not about the book. Oh, I, what else? Well, <laughs> well, it's our predictions episode, so we have a promo to do. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so this week, I, so... If you know me, um, do I, I wait, who are you <laughs> last year? So, um, in 2018, I read 115 books. How many what? did you get? Killed? That's amazing. I got 124. Oh, pretty close. 124 minus 12 graphic novels and or poetry books. Yeah. I'm counting graphic novels, but I only read like uh, four, I think. So. so yeah, I read twelve. I I I just put them in a separate box because, you know, last so like last year I read one hundred and sixty one, but I read, but I read like one. A bunch of graphic I think novels. I read like forty two graphic novels. So that's why like I just it's like my friend Laura who says that she reads over three hundred books a year, but she also counts picture books. So like fuck her. I adore you, Laura. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, I don't count picture books for that reason. I mark them as read, but I don't give them dates, right. so they don't count in my totals mm-hmm. because. I, I read, like, a bunch of picture books. I'm a children's librarian. Yeah, makes sense. I, I don't count them, I read. So what, anyway. is, what is how many books you have to read to have to do with our promo? 
Most of those books were romance novels. Woot. Um, because that's how I live my life. Uh, my proclivity to read romance novels has obviously not changed in 2019 because I've already read six books and four of them were romance novels. So fuck you, you're so ahead of me. I've only read <laughs> I've read one book. It's because I'm reading romance novels and you've been sick and not able to look at not things. sleep or throw up. Yeah. So. But this is all a segue, I promise. It's really actually segueing. Um, this week, we are including a promo for the podcast Boobies and Newbies. That is the best name for a podcast ever. Which is the best name for a podcast ever. Um, basically, it's a <laughs> podcast about romance novels where they ask novice romance readers to like think outside what they call the dick in a box. Um, so th- it's a newbie romance readers talking to veteran romance readers on a podcast. It's hilarious and super good so if you love romance you should check it out and here is their promo because they can explain it better than me hey everybody this is kelly reynolds and i'm the host of boobies and newbies the podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box join me for a new episode every friday as we review romance novels with non-romance readers from the sweet, loving, fairy tale romances of the Highlands. Who cares uh, about up against the wall by the fruit <laughs> trees? Yes. Like, where's the dragon? Uh, inside the belly of a dragon. To the naughty erotic threesomes with navy seals. Sex was a 10. I mean, you cannot get any better than this book. Come okay, on, you guys. Good. Really. We read it all. Check us out at Booby Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Listen to previous episodes on any podcast streaming platform. And stay tuned for our upcoming holiday series, The 12 Days of Boobsmas. That just sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really fun and cute. So, boobies and newbies, check them out. Um, as for us, I gotta go to work. Kills has gotta edit this podcast and, and stop, sleep. Yeah. Or sleep. <laughs> stop dying. So. Yeah. We're we're done. It? We're done. We're done with this. I would we're like to stop this. staring at a screen. I want to go back to bed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, Thanks I'm for listening. Allison. Follow us on all the things. Yeah. Follow us on all the things. I'm Allison. I'm Kales. Keep making novel predictions. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.